Welcome to the C3 Coffs Harbour podcast. Today's message is a recording from our online service. To join our online church community, visit c3ch.online.church and you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, Can you believe we're up to week seven of our series Above All Else? And you would have heard me say this every single week, but I'm going to continue to harp on about it. Um, This series is uh, really anchored to Proverbs 4.23, which says, Above all else, guard your heart, for from your heart flow all the issues of life. And I I can't strongly... Uh, enough describe how important it is to uh, for you and I to pay attention when the Bible says above all else. Um, and, and, and guarding our heart is so important because I see people from time to time who, and these are beautiful Christian people whose lives will, will fall apart or some tragedy will happen. And, and, and usually when I track it back, it's like, well, there's, there's a point in time where they stopped guarding their heart. They stopped, um, you know, watching what came in and they, they would allow these thoughts to come into their mind, into their heart, and they would expose themselves to situations, circumstances, people or whatever that really wasn't the best for them. And so we have an opportunity through this series to really uh, press pause in our life, do a spiritual stock take, a stock take of our soul um, to see where are we actually at and to, to obey this commandment to, above all else, guard our heart. And so we've been doing that. If you are just new to this series, we've been using Richard Foster's book, uh, The Celebration of Discipline, to go through a bunch of disciplines that are really going to be helpful for you and I in our everyday life to, to guard our heart. And so we've been looking at a bunch of internal disciplines. Uh, now we're going to start looking at some outward uh, disciplines as well. And so we've looked at things like meditation, prayer. Uh, we've looked at um, fasting and studying. And last week, Anna did a great message on uh, simplicity, living a simple life. And so how did you go with the homework? She said she set the homework for us to ruthlessly assess our intentions and motivations uh, through everything we do in life and are our intentions about seeking first the kingdom of God or are our intentions about seeking first our desires, our pleasures or what it is we want. Uh, and, and last week was fantastic. She was just saying the essence of simplicity is seeking first the kingdom of God and then everything else gets put in its rightful place once we seek God first and keeping our life simple. So how did you go with that? Um, bit of a challenging uh, piece of homework to really uh, assess and ruthlessly assess our motivations, but um, hopefully that was a good practice for you uh, in that. So today we're moving on to the next outward discipline, which is solitude. Um, and so we're looking at that, um, that inner silence, that inner peace, that, that inner connectedness to God where we put aside outward distractions and outward noises in order to really center ourselves in a place to hear from God and connect with Him. Um, generally speaking, people um, have a fear of feeling alone. Um, and it's no reason why um, mental health statistics are through the roof through this global pandemic because people being in isolation and, and this fear of being alone has been eventualized and realized. And so people uh, are struggling with that. And my heart goes out for them and my, my prayers definitely go up for people in that situation. But even outside of a pandemic, most people have this fear of being alone. I remember as a kid, you know, um, after basketball practice or soccer practice, whatever it was, and 
and, and waiting to be picked up and all the other kids got picked up and um, I'm waiting for mum or dad to come pick me up and there's this fear of, oh my gosh, I am alone, I'm exposed, I'm vulnerable in this moment. And, and we sort of tend to have that um, in us at various levels as, as people. That's just part of the human nature, right? And, and this fear of being alone drives us to fill spaces in our life with, with noise or distractions or things so that we don't ever feel that, that, that sense of being alone. For example, you, know, you might see people who, um, when, when you're with them, they, they constantly have to talk. There's just streams of conversation coming out of their mouth. And and they can't just sit in a space of silence with you. They feel like they've got to fill that with conversation. And they're the kind of people who, um, and I say this with all respect, but they, um, they speak a lot without actually saying anything. And their mouth just goes on and on and on because they just want to fill that space with noise so that there's not that awkward uh, moment of aloneness or quiet. Um, and we do this in our daily lives. We, we can sort of, driving in the car, rather than sitting in silence, we'll put the radio on or we'll put a CD on or if we go to the gym, we'll put stuff in our headphones. Um, uh, there's constantly got to be stuff um, happening around us so that we fight off this sense of silence or being alone. Um, are, you, are you like that? Because I'm guilty of that too. I, I like to constantly be stimulated and have stuff going and, and silence can be agitating for me to discipline myself for that. And, uh, um, but I think it's a, it's a good thing that we do, and, and Richard Foster will explain that in, in this chapter about how we ought to not reject those silences um, but actually embrace them. Because um, he, he says that, that being alone is an opportunity for us to cultivate uh, moments of silence and solitude with God, uh, opportunity for us to grow in our affection with God, in our connection with God. Because um, he, he defines it like this, he says this, which I love. He says loneliness, that sense of loneliness is uh, an inner emptiness. But then he says solitude is, is a sense of inner fulfillment, which the two are completely different, right? So, so when we're feeling alone, that's what we're saying is we've identified an inner, um, uh, an inner emptiness inside of us. But if we can make sure when we are alone that we, we channel that into solitude, where we bring God into our aloneness, then what ha- tends to happen is we have this inner fulfillment where we're not alone or empty, but we're actually fulfilled and filled with the presence of God. Without silence, there is no solitude. Um, so uh, he talks about with this discipline of silence, this discipline of solitude, how we need to um, know when to speak and when to be silent. And, and, and Richard Foster quotes Deuteronomy chapter, um, oh, sorry, Ecclesiastes 3.7, which says that there is a time to keep silent and a time to speak. So essentially control is the key, controlling when we speak, when we are silent. And using those moments of silence to really push in and press in and draw nearer to God in those moments. Um, life, life isn't always easy. I get that. And, and obviously what we've faced this year um, and possibly into next year is, is not ideal. And in fact, it's been quite devastating for a, a lot of people. Life has been increasingly stressful and pretty hectic for most, if not all of us. Um, and, and it's not just a pandemic that can, that can bring these things to the surface. Life in general can be hard. Life in general can be quite stressful. Um, and uh, Richard Foster talks about um, St. John of the Cross, who was a, a Spanish Catholic priest, who, who talks about this concept of the dark night of the soul. 
And, and that sounds very destructive and it sounds very doom and gloom. It sounds like this deep uh, pit of despair or depression. But this dark night of the soul, uh, St. John of the Cross would actually say we should embrace that feeling, embrace uh, that, um, that experience in the same way that a sick person might embrace the promise of health on the other side of go- undergoing an operation. And so this dark night of the soul is an opportunity for us to have our sicknesses, our weaknesses and, and stuff exposed before God so that he can come through as the great physician that he is to bring healing and restoration and peace to those areas. Um, the purpose of the dark night of the soul is not to afflict us, not to punish us, but it's actually on the contrary to set us free. So what does, what does this dark night of the soul look like? What, what does it feel like? And as I read through this, you might be able to identify with these things. I'm, I certainly can to a lot of these as well. Um, it, it may feel like spiritual dryness. It may feel like, um, like a lostness. You feeling like you're in the wilderness and you don't know what's up from down, what's head from tails. And, um, and it feels like you, your dependence or what usually is an over-dependence on our emotions um, has been stripped away from us. And we're completely vulnerable, completely confused and a little bit like disorientated spiritually. Um, uh, in today's world, it could often be said that we should um, avoid those sorts of feelings. And if, if we're feeling those things, that there's something terribly wrong with us and we need to sort of push against those. And, and especially in Christian circles, people can just say things like, oh, you should need to have more faith. You need to break through that ceiling, break through that, that attack or, or, or things like that and have more of this conquering um, victim mentality. Um, but Foster would suggest that, um, oh, sorry, St. John of the Cross suggests that we should lean into these dark nights of the soul. Um, and silence is like the anesthetic that will bring us before the great physician for that healing to take place. That when we feel these times of confusion, that we shouldn't just try and fill our life with all these extra stimulus to distract us or, or to heal us, but we should actually allow ourselves to be still and to be silent and to allow the work of the Holy Spirit to bring about transformation into our life and into our soul. And that's what we've been talking about through this whole series, right? Is These disciplines are not just uh, these beautiful things that we should do because they are so powerful. No, no, no. They are simply uh, avenues which we take that will lead us to a place where God can do His transforming work in us. And a couple of weeks ago, weeks ago we looked at study and how studying God's Word is not about accumulating information, but it's about us putting ourselves before God for transformation to take place. And so, so now in this idea, this dark night of the soul concept, it's about bringing silence and solitude into those spaces so that we can allow God to transform transform us and silence and solitude as as we read is like that anesthetic which slows us down so that God can do the work he needs to do. So how do I know that I am in a dark night of the soul season? Well, let me read a few things. Um, reading the Bible, listening to sermons and spiritual discussions fail to move us or excite us. They just feel a bit drab or we just become disinterested in, in the things of church and the things of God. Um, there's a temptation to seek release and to blame everybody else for how you're feeling, um, to blame everybody else for your inner dullness, that, that other people haven't done enough to prop you up or make you feel special or feel appreciated or feel good. Um, these are sort of the symptoms of dark night of the soul. 
Um, uh, preaching becomes boring, which I know that you would never say that about our church. Um, you know, so this probably doesn't apply to you. But but if you find yourself where preaching becomes boring and things like that, you become disinterested in um, the teachings of the things of God, then perhaps you are in that dark night of the soul. Um, worship becomes flat or boring. Um, online church just doesn't do it for me anymore. Um, when we begin to look around to go, or maybe if I go to the other church, or maybe if I can log into that other online church, or maybe if I listen to that other preacher or that worship band, then maybe I can get that zing back in my spirit. Maybe I can get that, those goosebump feelings again that I need to get to keep me going. Um, but all those things um, actually take us away from what God is trying to do in us, which is this beautiful transf- transformative work of, of molding us more into the image of His Son. And if we constantly run to, to, the, to seeking these pleasures, these things, these experiences and jump from church to church, we don't allow ourselves to, to sit in uh, the stillness that God would have us sit in so that He can do the work that only He can do. Because these, these moments of dryness, these moments of spiritual um, lostness are actually quite normal for you and for me to encounter. And they are moments for us to really press into and, and allow God to do what only He can do. So we've got to recognize uh, it is recognize them that it is what it is rather than becoming agitated in this stuff lean into it and uh, be still and wait and it's important to note that what I'm talking about here with all these things is not somebody who is willfully living in sin and therefore the the corruptness of sin is making them agitated in their spirit um, what I'm talking about is is people who love God with all their heart people who, who seek after Jesus who want to want to uh, please him and things like that these, these are these are not um, symptoms of sinfulness. These are just stuff that, that ordinary people will go through. And, uh, and so it's an opportunity, as I said, for us to get healing. So how do we practice solitude? If solitude and silence is uh, the key for us to get breakthrough in this area uh, and it's an opportunity for us to be disciplined for God to transform us, how do we do this? Well, here's four simple things that we can do um, to bring silence and solitude into our everyday life. The first thing is to take advantage of those little silence and solitude moments that we tend to overlook or pass by every single day. Things like um, those early morning moments where you wake up and you're just lying in bed before the kids have got out of bed or before your your spouse has woken up or whatever it is, and just taking those couple of moments to uh, be consciously aware of God and thank Him for the day and just be present in those moments. Maybe it's that first sip of coffee that you have when you get out of bed and you're like, oh, I'm going to savor this moment. This is beautiful. Um, Maybe it's, it's, it's... Taking advantage of those that, that long drive, because we all have long drives into work in Coffs Harbor, don't we? Um, where, you know, the bump it up in traffic. And so, uh, you know, the 10 minutes that it takes us to get to work every day, maybe we could maximize those 10 minutes by just being appreciative of what God has done and being conscious of his presence in those moments. Um, maybe when we unexpectedly turn a corner and we see a beautiful tree or a lovely flower or a sunrise or a cloud or something like that, that really highlights the, the beauty and wonder of God. It's, it's maximizing those moments and drawing our consciousness to the awareness of God through even the smallest of things in our everyday. Another great one is um, just before bed, slip outside, stand on your front porch or on your back veranda or wherever you are and just appreciate the freshness of the night sky, um, the stars or whatever. Just have those, those small little moments that we can do throughout the day. Um, and oftentimes it's, it's a real shame that we miss those moments that we could really be capitalizing on every single day. Um, 
these moments should and, and deserve to be fully redeemed as moments of solitude with God. Times for uh, an inner quietness, a time for reflection, a time for reorientating our lives and our priorities to the attention of God. Um, the second thing, so that's taking advantage of little things. The second thing we can do to have silence and solitude is to develop a quiet place where we have silence and solitude. And we talked about this in meditation where we, we have a place we go to to meditate or a place we go to for silence and solitude. And for some people, it could be the beach. For some people, it could be a, a specific room. In the book, he talks about um, if you're building a new home, you know, people will build a, a rumpus room for their kids. They'll build a, a, a barbecue area specifically. But why not build an area in your house for specifically for silence and solitude to connect with God? Uh, and that might be an extreme example. But um, for some people, it could be just a chair, a prayer chair, where you go and, and, and that chair is synonymous with you having silence and solitude before God. But it's important that we actually have a quiet place where we go to and specifically and regularly attend so that we can have that place uh, with God. Um, this, the third thing uh, Foss would talk about in, in developing silence and solitude is the challenge to go an entire day without speaking um, and, and to do it as an experiment just to see how you feel, to see what you learn about yourself, about God, about others. Um, we're not doing it as law, as a religious practice, uh, but just as an experiment to see how it is that being silent and having to find other forms of communicating in your everyday life can give you a greater sense of who you are, how you communicate, how you interact with people and God. Um, that could be just a, a fun little experiment. And he says to enjoy that, um, make it fun, don't make it something you endure, but savor that moment, savor that learning process of just having a day with silence. I know my wife would uh, really appreciate me doing that, maybe for more than a day, maybe even for a week. Um, and the fourth thing is to reassess our life goals every quarter. So every three months, put four or five, five hours aside to reassess our life goals. What do we, what do we value? What are we, what are we, what are we about? Um, Relook at what, what do I want to achieve in the next 12 months? What do I want to achieve in the next five years? Uh, and it's a common thought that we always overestimate what we can achieve in one year but we always underestimate what we can achieve in five years. So having set times put aside on a regular basis every three months to look at our life goals, look at what we prioritize, what we value, look at where we're going, look at what we want to achieve is a great way of just slowing down our life, embracing the silence and contemplating what it is we are on this planet for and what it is we want to achieve. Um, so I think that would be a, a great practice for us to uh, uh, Employ in our lives um, to, to embrace that silence and solitude. Okay, here are some final thoughts, and I'll bring this message to a close. Um, uh, there are numerous examples we see in the book in page 121 of how Jesus himself would uh, practice silence and solitude, how he would bring this discipline into his life so that he could connect with his heavenly father. And so if you read page 121, you'll see several examples where you can go back to scripture and study this out for yourself, where Jesus actually practiced silence and solitude. And he would go away, not to, not to leave people, but to get with God, because uh, he knew that it was in that place that he would get refreshed, renewed and reorientated to what it is uh, that God would have him do. Um, Foster says that the fruit of silence and solitude will increase our sensitivity and compassion for others. The closer we get to God, the more we care about what he cares about and he cares about everybody. 
So if we're getting closer to the heart of God, if we start to care about what God cares about, then we will start to care far more about other people. And in our silence and solitude, not only do we grow as disciples of Christ, we actually grow in our compassion and love for other people. Our empathy starts to grow, our compassion starts to grow, and we will find ourselves understanding that people are like they are for a reason. And rather than being frustrated with people, we can be compassionate and loving and gracious towards them uh, because we get ourselves out of our flesh and we connect our spirit with God, um, which is what is helpful, helpful for the life of a disciple. Um, in the stillness, oh, this quote is a bang on quote. In the stillness, in silence and solitude, our false busy selves are unmasked and seen for the imposters that they truly are. Wow. In the silence, in the solitude, our false busy selves are unmasked and seen for the imposters that they are. That you and I, in other words, are not designed for busyness. Carl Jung says that, that, that hurry and busyness is not of the devil, that hurry and busyness is the devil. And so we are not designed to be in a hurry. We are not designed to be, um, uh, to, to be busy all the time. But silence and solitude is that practice that will bring us back to the original design and intent that God has for you and God has for me. Um, so here we go. Homework for this week. Ponder and practice. Um, do you feel like you are in a season of the dark night of the soul? Do you feel like you're in a season of spiritual dryness, spiritual lostness, a little bit of spiritual disorientation? Uh, if you are, and if you identify with some of those things we looked at earlier, perhaps you are what um, St. John of the Cross would say is in a dark night of the soul season. Um, and what are you going to do about that? Are you going to run for the pretty lights or the, 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 the nice tingle in the, the other church? Or, the, or are you going to sit in the stillness and allow the Holy Spirit to work on you, to grow you, to strengthen you in this season of your life? Because the old saying, wherever you go, there you are. So we can, we can run from our problems or we can sit down and take our problems to God and cast our cares onto Jesus because he cares for us. So... Um, the practice. So ponder, are you in that state? What are you going to do about it? Practice. Um, take advantage of everyday silence and solitude moments. Um, stop to smell the roses. Stop to appreciate the sunrise. Stop to appreciate that first sip of coffee in the morning. Um, just stop to, even in the chaos of your kids running around frantically, stop to go, wow, how beautifully blessed am I that I have kids to fill my house with fun and life and vibrancy. Let's reclaim those little moments every single day where we can be silent before God and appreciate all that He has done for us. And remember, when it comes to busyness, nobody is busy. Busy is a myth. What, what we find ourselves in is, is a life that is surrounded by what we have chosen to prioritize. And so if we feel like we're busy and doing things that we don't want to do, well, we need to remove some things in our world that we have allowed to encompass us as a priority and remove those things and bring things in that we actually value and appreciate so that we can bring some balance and stability back to our everyday lives. So there it is this week. What are you going to do about the dark night of the soul? And how are you going to reclaim uh, those small moments every single day of silence and solitude? Before we go, let me pray. Father, I just thank you so much for our incredible church. I thank you so much for what you're doing in and through our lives. Lord, I just thank you for this series above all else that we would guard our heart for from our heart flow all the issues of life. 
And so, God, I pray this week as we go about uh, reclaiming small moments of silence and solitude, that we would really grow in who it is you've called us to be, that we would put aside the, the high pace of contemporary life and slow ourselves down to the rhythm of life that you have set the example for us to follow. So, Lord, we thank you that you would bless us this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information about our online services, visit c3ch.online.church and come say hi on Facebook and Instagram.